From APM American Public Media, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. Picture in your head the average college student. Were you thinking of someone middle-aged? Today, older Americans are heading back to school in record numbers. The National Center for Education Statistics estimates that students aged 25 years or older make up about 40% of college students. Many older Americans already have started a career, but they want to gain knowledge or skills that can make them more competitive in the workplace. And colleges are struggling to deal with the different demands that older students make on a campus. Chris Farrell joins me to talk about this trend. He is a senior economics contributor at Marketplace and a columnist at Bloomberg Business Week. Hi, Chris. How are you doing, Stephen? Good. So why are uh, older adults returning to college in greater numbers? Are there just more older adults? Well, part of it is there are a lot more older adults. And, you know, a lot of colleges and universities, community colleges, over the years with an aging population, they developed some really good programs about learning about the Renaissance. You know, stuff that when you were younger, perhaps you didn't have time to learn about. Then you get older, have a little more time, and you want to enhance your learning experience. So Renaissance Italy, the history of radio, uh, you know, whatever might be kind of an interesting topic. But there's a shift going on in why older people are going to college these days, particularly community colleges. And it's to pick up skills, knowledge, because more and more people are working well into the traditional retirement years, but they find that they need some extra skills, some knowledge. And of course, a college, a university is a good place to go for that. So there's increasing demand, increasing pressure for colleges and universities to shift from enlightenment to helping people earn an income. And what kind of specific workplace skills are midlife students uh, picking up? Well, it's a wide array of skills. And a lot of it is, uh, you know, not that different from younger people when they go back to college to pick up some additional knowledge. But one that I find interesting is, you know, sustainability, surprisingly, turns out to be a pretty good job for someone who's older. And organizations now have a sustainability officer or people who monitor how much energy is being used by a company and recycling their waste. And, you know, this is an increasingly important job. And, you know, you have to get a certificate in order to get hired and you go back to school. And many older people are interested in this. College counseling is another growing field. Your kids have gone to college. You've gone through that experience. Young people aren't getting enough input on where to go to college. So maybe you can get a job at a public school, a private school, maybe set up your own consulting firm. But again, you need some a certificate to say, hey, I actually know something about this. Technology. Technology is big. You know, most people kind of keep up with technology over the years, but they find going back to school helps and getting up to speed and some of the latest software and some of the, the conversations and dialogue and opportunities that are being opened up by technology. So it's a broader way. Here's how we think about it, Stephen. You're thinking about your career and, you know, you've gone through your undergraduate years or your community college, you have your associate's degree, and you realize you need to pick up some additional skills. Maybe it's in programming, maybe it's in software, uh, maybe it's in Excel, and you go and get that additional skill. It's not that much different for someone who's 60-something that's looking for a job, a career, a part-time position. Again, they need a little bit of additional skill, and that's what they're turning to the educational establishment to give them. How well is the educational establishment set up to deal with people who are, you know, maybe in their 50s or in their 60s? By and large, not a very good job. Now, 
there's lots of conversations going on around the country recognizing that we have an aging population, that more people want to be working, and that colleges and universities, this is a natural thing to be doing. And in fact, my prediction is that in 30 years, colleges and universities are going to be really multi-generational. It's not going to be dominated by young people. They're going to be young people. They're going to be middle-aged people. They're going to be older people. This is the conversation that's going on. But On a practical basis, there hasn't been a whole lot of progress. Community colleges are trying, but, you know, we're throwing everything at community colleges. I mean, they're bursting at the seams and their finances are not so great. And I was down in South Carolina and it was at a conference at South Carolina Technical College System. And so I was with the the head of the whole system, Jimmy, Jimmy Williamson. And Jimmy gave a really good talk about, you know, the importance of older workers and reaching out to older workers. But then the conversation shifted. And what he really wanted to focus on is that there are a lot of nonviolent felons that are being released every month in South Carolina. And the community colleges have to figure out a way to reach out to those students. And what I realized is he wasn't being bad. It wasn't like he was being dismissive about this demand for older workers at community colleges. But boy, he's trying to solve a lot of problems. And his emphasis was going to be on nonviolent felons. And how am I going to, I'm not going to criticize that. Much is made about student debt and the cost of college these days. How are people who are, you know, in their later years actually going to be able to afford to go to college? Because most Financial aid, I assume, is aimed at younger people. Most financial aid is aimed at younger people. The assumption at this point is older workers will have more resources to tap on their own, or because they've lost their job, they become a dislocated worker. How do you like that term? A dislocated worker. And maybe they lost their job because of foreign competition and the federal government or the state government or foundations are coming in helping out for retraining, reskilling so that this older worker can get another job. So I think it's going to be a mix. It's going to be a lot less reliant on student loans. But here's the thing. Wander around a, a campus, even a community college campus, wander around at night. It's pretty quiet. Not many of those classrooms are being used. The business office is closed. Well, What if colleges and universities were open more in the evening or very early in the morning when it's practical for older workers? A lot of older people get up early in the morning or they've done with their job and they're willing to go later at night in order to pick up some additional skills. And so it would allow colleges and universities to use their plant and their facilities uh, more efficiently and get better use out of them. So it really could be a win-win for both the colleges and for the students. I think I read somewhere that some uh, universities are thinking about creating residential communities of older people on their campuses as a way of keeping the campuses going, a, a new revenue stream, and that these uh, these retirees, if you will, can then take classes at the at the college or university. This is a a big movement. Eckerd College down in Florida was one of the pioneers, and I remember they got James Michener. Uh, he agreed to to live there and, and teach some courses. And it's a really smart move. A University of Indiana Bloomington has also been a pioneer in this because universities are great places for older people because there's a lot of activity going on. There's a lot of music. There's art. There's theater. There are courses. Uh, there's safe environments. You're interacting with young people. And from the point of view of the university, you're more likely to leave money to the university if you're living there and you've had a good experience and you see what they're doing. And so this is a growth business within colleges and universities. 
So are the schools that are looking at these older workers primarily, you know, your state universities or your small private colleges? What about the more elite institutions? Do they pay attention to this trend? Definitely pay attention to the trend. And two interesting experiments going on. One just started in January at Stanford University and another one at Harvard University, which started just a few years ago. Now, these are incredibly elite programs. So the one at Stanford University is your mid-career or toward the end of your career, and you want to get uh, a year's worth of education, and you're going to move into social change, the nonprofit world. Now, it's $60,000 a year. These are incredibly successful people. What everyone's watching them very closely, though, is that the heads of these programs recognize that they're doing an experiment. They're doing a model. Very few people can afford $60,000 a year, but they're also out there on the circuit talking to other people. Okay, so how do we take our insights and we create cheaper programs in other colleges and universities and we reach farther down? I mean, one of the things that's going on is if you look at the, uh, you know, executive education, continuing education, some of the stuff that's going on with older workers, it's all at the fringes of colleges and universities. It exists. It's there. But it's not in the mainstream. And I think with the the Harvard program, the Stanford program, you know, at some level, they're experimenting with how do we make this more of a mainstream part of the college and university? And that's what I would take from it. The cost, it's always going to be for the elites. These are elite institutions. But is it a model for thinking about how to bring older workers into the mainstream of the college experience? Are, are older students making much use of these massively open online courses, the MOOCs, so-called, that are being offered by some of the more prestigious institutions? Yes, there are. And there's a lot of talk about this is the real solution. We don't need the older folks wandering around the, the brick-and-mortar campus because they can just take a MOOC, and, and this is incredible. They can learn all this stuff. It turns out that with older workers, from the anecdotal data that we have and whatever evidence we have, they drop out just as much as the younger people do. And the dropout rate is really high. It's really high. The completion rate for the MOOC courses has turned out to be just in the single digits, isn't it? Yes. And where the MOOC courses seem to be working and where I think the real growth market for MOOC courses is more as part of corporate training. And because then you have a reason to finish it because you're either going to get a job opportunity at the end. MOOCs are going to turn out to be a lot about corporate training and MOOCs are going to be important integrated into a campus environment, but you can't get away from that physical environment. It still is important to have interaction with your peers and to have interaction with some lecturer, professor, professional. Are older workers going back to school to get credentials, to get degrees or certificates, or are they doing it mostly to gain knowledge? You know, I would say at this point, it's mostly to gain knowledge, but I've met a surprising number of older workers who have gone back. One woman, uh, she said she got her master's and Medicare card the same year. And when I was down in South Carolina talking to a woman who was getting her PhD in social work. So there is that aspect to it, but I think a lot more is the desire for certificates, the desire for skill, but all with an eye toward this is practical. This is going to reward me somehow in the job market. So it's it's a it's ex- experiencing colleges and universities as an older worker is more I think of an in and out experience as opposed you're going to be there for a big block of time and you're going to end up with a prestigious degree at the end. Are employers supporting 
these older workers going back to school? They help in with their tuition, and are they paying attention to the credentials that uh, an older worker may or may not get? You're going to have to ask me that in a couple of years, because here's the problem. The last couple of years, and as you know, we've been in a bad labor market. I mean, in 2009, 2010, I mean, that was the worst labor market since the 1930s. Employers have talked a good game. And of course, they are supportive and employers, many employers, your bigger employers at least do have help out on the tuition side of things. But the fact of the matter is they haven't had to do much of anything because there's a line of people who want work out their door. Now, as the unemployment rate comes down and uh, the competition for talent and for workers picks up, that's when we're going to see do employers really start following through. So I think it's actually the next couple of years are going to be important and are going to give us an answer to that question. But considering the experience of the past couple of years, I would say no. Chris, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Chris Farrell is a senior economics contributor at Marketplace and a columnist at Bloomberg Businessweek. You can find a link to Chris's work at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org, where you'll also find more podcasts about issues in higher education and K-12 education. While you're there, browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage. AmericanRadioWorks.org. We're on Facebook at American.RadioWorks and on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, the Spencer Foundation, and Lumina Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.